Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. It's our Azerbaijan Grand Prix review. A new moment, a fresh new dawn for F1 with a sprint race <laughs> format. That <laughs> wasn't it. And the voice you can hear there is Freddie Coates. We're also joined by Nigel Chu and myself, Adam Dickinson. Freddie, how are you? A new moment, a new dawn for F1. Give me a break. I'm all right. I'm doing well. Thanks, mate. Yes. Uh, have you got a question for me, Adam, or are you just going to... Well, how are you? It was, it was, a, oh, it was no, because you asked Freddie. Open question. Oh, it was an open question. Well, okay. I didn't see that. Uh, I'm all right. And anyone who's listening, any, anyone who's here now in the Zoom call could have answered, or anyone who just heard me say could have answered. And my window I'm... is open onto quite a busy Sheffield road, so there is... Hello, Sheffield. I'm enjoying the snooker. It was a final day today, uh, but when this goes out, Purcell or Selby would have won, so... Uh, I'll say congratulations to Mark Selby on winning. I'll say congratulations to Selby for winning his fifth world title. Do do you want to say that again with Bissell as well? And then and then we can edit in whichever happens. All the eggs are in the basket. Congratulations. That's what you said when Ronnie played him as well. Yeah, and I said Bissell was going to win when Ronnie played him. Same. We don't talk about that much. Yeah, we do, and we talk about how (laughs) it means that we are. Is 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 honestly he's he's on more of a role than Selby in my opinion. Although the semi final was a bit. Really close, so who knows? On the roll is a good he came underrated back from the behind well. 45 down exactly. Four. <laughs> no. mm. Nigel, have you ever used on a roll in any of your snooker coverage? It's a good pun on a roll, on a roll. it's like uh, the ball has rolled. Uh, no, I haven't. No, I've not. Oh. He's lined that you should up do perfect. today, today, on my, on yeah. my last day. Yeah, last day. Luca Brassel doesn't fluke it to championship on a roll. On a roll. Sergio Perez was on a roll, wasn't he? Oh, he's bringing it back to F1. Oh, we're doing an F1 podcast. Oh. Well, yes, he was actually. Um, yeah. We Sorry. were talking about Mexico City before as well, weren't we? So, yeah. yeah, that's the off the off pod conversation, Nigel. We've had discussions about this. <laughs> Don't listen Sorry. to those bits. Sorry, forgot. To be fair, half the time they Not are still recorded, brother. but then they, <laughs> then they just go into the cut off at the start of the podcast. But no, this was this was not um, recorded. But what, what was recorded was Sergio Perez's fantastic Azerbaijan Grand Prix weekend victory in the sprint race, second place in qualifying, beating Max Verstappen for the sprint race as well, and then obviously victory in the Grand. Three, yes, he had a bit of luck, and Christian Horner said as much afterwards um, with the timing of the safety car. Nick DeVries crashed out, and that Verstappen had already pitted under yellow flags before the safety car was called, which then allowed Sergio Perez to make the cheap pit stop while Verstappen was jumped by him and Leclerc. But after that, he still had a lot of time that he had to keep Verstappen behind. And to be honest, he never really looked under threat. Freddie, do you think he would have won even without the safety car? I, I do, actually. There's... After um, they both the rebels got past Leclerc, uh, Perez's gap um, coming down was something like um, over a second, 0.8, 0.6, and then Verstappen pitted because they were anticipating the safety car a bit earlier than it came out. Um, but Verstappen was still sliding around a little bit and didn't have a handle on the car in a way that Perez did this weekend. And I think that was it. I think had the mediums gone as expected and had De Vries, um not uh, cause the the safety car, I think we would have seen Perez overtaking Verstappen on track and driving away rather than um, just getting the lead by circumstance and being able to hold him off. I think it was, I think that was a race weekend where Perez, for the most part, 
just got better throughout it, whereas Verstappen sort of hit a level and sort of stayed there. Um, that was a very, very, obviously very high level. I think Perez in the race was better than he was in the sprint and was better than he was on Friday, whereas I think Verstappen didn't kind of grow through it in the way that Perez did. And I think Perez would have won that race if it had all gone sort of normally. And I think that would have been a more exciting race, actually. I was quite excited by Perez gaining on Verstappen because as much as it's a rebel one too, it's a change from the norm. And we, you know, it's unexpected. I was enjoying that little sort of gap come down. And yeah, it, it, I think Perez then, yeah, he was handed the lead, but it was a, it was a, and it wasn't an exciting race, but it was a performance you could appreciate. Absolutely. I think, well, there's a few things for me. I think for the pit stop from Verstappen, Perez was about to overtake Verstappen on that lap or the next lap anyway for me. So, Yes, you could argue Red Bull made a mistake in that, but like Freddie says, Perez was going to win. And I can't think of a time during the first stint when Perez has been the faster driver towards the first pit stop. In fact, I don't think it has happened. And for me, this is his most underrated performance, one of his best performances in F1 for a whole race weekend. Because if we look at the previous four race wins that he's had, had with Red Bull, uh, Azerbaijan 2021, Stappen should have won that because his tyre blew up. 2022, Monaco, it now turns out that was quite controversial with qualifying. Ferrari obviously messed up with a pit strategy. Yeah, with the a strategy one, there. there. Uh, Singapore 2022, Verstappen started 15th because, or down the order, 10th, sorry, because of a qualifying uh, error from Red Bull. Or a Still a very errors. good drive, though, keeping Leclerc behind in tricky conditions. It was. And then Saudi Arabia earlier this year, Verstappen obviously started down the order there as well. Whereas this weekend, they both had equal kind of, for me, fortune, because I don't see the safety car's fortune, equal, like, no reliability problems or no strategy kind of things. It was a pure out-and-out race. And in the sprint qualifying, Perez was better, or the sprint shootout, sorry. In the sprint race, he was better. And in the main Grand Prix, he was better as well. So for me, it could be a big moment in the championship. And it does remind me a bit of Rosberg, 2016 were he was able to beat Hamilton on merit when he had the chance. Yes, it's only happened once, mm. but it hasn't happened at all in the previous what, 47 races where Verstappen and yeah. uh, Perez have, have been teammates. So, and I think, I, I think that's a key moment. So This is what I was going to ask I was going to say, is it is this now Rosberg-Hamilton as opposed to um, Barrichello-Schumacher? Or is this kind of like still someone can, who can get the odd win or is it a contender because i yeah at this stage in the season last year perez was close on points but he wasn't a contender but i'd suggest that <clears throat> with with um without two retirements at the start of the season for verstappen with two wins apiece there well two and a half wins for perez then it's it's looking relatively evens yeah, and I mean, you know, Perez had um, that error in qualifying at Melbourne as well, which meant that, you know, he he started down the order and, you know, he could be leading the championship if it weren't for that. I still think it's too early to tell, to be completely honest. I mean, we saw this with um, with Bottas and Hamilton, where he'd, he'd show well in the early part of the season and then just couldn't, you know, ha- but Hamilton would just stay at that level or go up a level through the season and, and Bottas can hang there. So I do think it's too early to tell, but I I think... In some ways, we don't need to be telling that. Yeah, I think for me, it's just like paying tribute to what was a fantastic performance from Sergio Perez. And it's interesting that you say that it's 
underrated. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen much fan reaction at all, like either way, to be honest, on it. But yeah, I think that's a massive shame if if people are putting up those those excuses for it about the safety car, about whatever. Because yeah, Pe- Perez did it on merit, and it's like you. I, I was going to make that exact same point, Nigel. That a lot of his wins, you can not not put an asterisk on, but there are other factors there that yeah. weren't just his. You know, a, a great performance from him that won the race, whereas. This was, you know, he was the best driver on the day. He was the best driver over the weekend and he got the rewards from that. So, yeah, I think fantastic for Perez. It was weird with Verstappen. Like he just, the whole weekend, he didn't see, he just didn't seem happy the whole weekend. Like there was the stuff coming into it with sprint races that carried on throughout the whole weekend. There was a bust up with Russell, which, you know, it, it just felt like that got overblown more than it needed to. And it's, yeah, I, I just think, I, I really thought at the safety car restart when Verstappen, it was all over Leclerc, like straight from the off and then got past him. You know, he was he was troubling him through every single corner in the first sector and then got past him really quickly. And at that point, I just I thought like, you know, Verstappen's a man on a mission here. He's got his head down. He's going to he's going to crush it. But Perez just pulled the gap. He pulled the gap of a second incredibly quickly. So it was to me, it was as big a surprise that, you know, it, it was just genuinely that Verstappen couldn't, you know, couldn't match Perez's pace and level on the Sunday that was a huge surprise to me because as I say, even, yeah, yeah, even after the safety car, then I still thought the way Verstappen reacted that he was going to get it and he just couldn't. I think the rebel is very, very fast, but it is on the nose. And we saw that with a a few, a few examples in Australia from Max's side, but definitely from Checo's side. And like you say, Checo started down the order in Australia and that was because of the rebel car, not really being filed in that well. And, I think Verstappen was able to cope with a non-dialed-in rebel from his side a bit better this weekend than Perez did in Australia. And he was saying after the race that he only really properly clocked how to sort of get the car going really nicely with sort of 10, 15 laps left of the race. And that was, you know, and Perez's rhythm was too good by then. And you think you can kind of sort of see that at points that the gap was quite fluctuating between the two of them. And it was just yeah he, he, the pace is there to fight all the other cars really nicely really easily but he wasn't quite sort of just hooking it up i don't know if that's the practice time i mean that makes the sprint an easy target which is you know what he was going for but at the end of the day when he needed to be on it he was on it and his both safety car restarts across the weekend getting past russell in the sprint and getting past um leclerc in the in the grand prix were very good and his wheel to wheel with everyone was very very decent in my opinion and I think he just couldn't settle in as well as Perez could and that's just you know sometimes it's just the case yeah I was mm. I'm just like what Adam said I was very surprised I thought Verstappen was going to overtake Perez on track on the hard tyres in the second half of the race but he couldn't get within DRS and that was a key uh, to Perez's win but yeah on, on the championship as a whole I know do you think it is too early? And it is too early in reality. But Verstappen is still the massive favourite, right? And it is going to take some misfortune for Perez to give himself some real hope, I think. But when, when we have these close inter-team fights when, when one car's dominating, like we saw with the Mercedes domination years in 2014, 2015, 2016, 2019 to some extent as well, uh, if you do have one DNF and you finish 1-2 in every race... Even if you win four races, it takes four races to get back. So if 
say Verstappen DNFs to the it's one, two, Verstappen Perez for four races. It takes four races to get all those points back, and that is where Perez could you know properly get himself into championship contention. Of course, it can happen mm. the other way round as well, but this is his big chance, and I don't see how he's going to get a better chance than this because he he is he seems happy with the car as well. I think Verstappen is fine with the car too, but Perez from his side seems reasonably happy with the car in Australia did seem like the outlier, I think. Well, and, and also there, you know, Red Bull have got less development to come on the car, on the car. So it's always a debate discussion point about how much are they developing the car towards Max. But even if they make, we don't know what decision they're going to make, but even if they do make de- that decision, then because they've got that less development time, then there's, there won't be such scope to that to have an impact regardless of what they decide. And I think just to round out the discussion, at least from my side, going back to that Rosberg Hamilton comparison that is Rosberg did as, as good as he was in 2016 you know he just took advantage of all yeah. of Hamilton's mistakes and bad luck and whatever and he's able to win because of that so that is exactly what in Perez the, needs to do in the same way that Hamilton did with Rosberg in 2014 and 15 and things like that like um and and with Vettel in 2017 all these kind of things it is the retirements the momentum that comes with that that has swung those championships um for a good chunk i think you look at rosberg retiring at silverstone in 2014 the sort of push that gave to lewis you look at um rosberg having i think two retirements in a row is sort of russia and somewhere else in 2015 yeah. and then after lewis's retirement in malaysia 2016 they had japan after that and he was just all in his head and he just couldn't get wrapped around it and that's the race in my opinion that probably lost him that championship because he just couldn't get his head working and he was and he dropped from pole to eighth and it's all that kind of stuff so like there's a momentum shift from a retirement and if if if, if like you say it takes a long time to keep it to to bring back a retirement and if Checo's always second then it's going to take a long time for him to not be a thorn in the championship side and last, i like that that's fun yeah last thing i'll say on this if he if it's a similar weekend this weekend in miami and paris beats verstappen on merit no <laughs> then I will say we've Thanks. got a proper title fight. Because right now, yeah. I, I still think it's going to be a bit like Hamilton Bottas rather than Hamilton Rosberg. But Miami should suit. Miami back. should suit. Mm. Should well, suit. And then, and Monaco is Monaco coming up, coming up in two well weeks. Um, Montreal is kind of a similar kind of vibe you could suggest. Um, mm. So there's a into few... that. Yeah, and then it's into that European, um, you know, Dialing Austria, yeah. Austria, um, Silverstone, Spa, Hungary. So that's kind of yeah, that could be wherever stuff moves away. But um, but yeah, it, it is it is one weekend at the end of the day. Yeah, it is. It is, but it's one weekend that's had lots of points to Perez. Mm. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, someone else who had a bounce, uh, bounce back weekend, a you know just a strong weekend really was Charlotte Clay, who's um, yeah right up there. Absolutely. Obviously got pole on pole on the two on on both um, for the sprint race and the and the uh, and the main event, and he held on both times to pick up the podium, fighting off a determined Max Verstappen in the first one. Though you know, yes, Verstappen had damage, but again, I was surprised that given how Perez had got past him. Leclerc relatively easily, then then Leclerc was able to hold on there. And then in the race itself, he picked up Ferraris and his first podium of the season. So yeah, very good weekend for Leclerc. Although I've got a stat the now the last eight podiums, uh, sorry, pole positions Leclerc has had has led to a Red Bull win. So there's that. But yeah. Best qualifier in F1, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. It has been since yeah. 2019. 
Um, and that isn't going away. He's a he is a Baku specialist. Um, Monsieur Samdi, not not fighting the Red Bulls, yeah. kept him on the podium because Alonso was charging. If he had wait, if he'd wasted his tires for two laps or three laps, keeping Perez behind, perhaps, um, yeah. he wouldn't have been on that podium. And he was really not happy with it all. He, I think, twenty twenty was the the year we really saw. You know. Young, I'm gonna do it. Whatever, if it's a bad car, this Ferrari, I'm gonna drag it to second place in Austria, third place in Silverstone. Gonna actually somehow get podiums in this dog car from Leclerc that year. And this year, he's not. He's like, why do I drive out my skin for this? And I think it was a really, really, really good just base level performance from him. But he's not. He's not gonna go ridiculous to try and maybe sniff a second place or when he can just get a third place because. And I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm fine with that because he still performed at a really really high level. I would say he, it's him, v him and Perez for the best driver of the weekend. The two pole positions was stunning, and that's the takeaway: is that he's he's going to win a race this year probably at Monaco, and that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think for me he is the driver of the weekend. Outstanding stuff. I mean. Baku, we saw so many mistakes on the Friday and Saturday and in the qualifying sessions and stuff and Leclerc, especially through that castle section turns, tried to work it out. Sector two. Sector two, the castle section, the tight bit. It's yeah. just the way it goes through there, so close to the walls, it is incredible. Yeah. He has such pinpoint accuracy, such confidence, a bit of flair as well. It's just outstanding to watch. It, it really is. And then you can back that up with a smart head in the race to take that podium place and didn't really face too much pressure from it, I thought, either. So, yeah, brilliant stuff from Leclerc. And he's, he's been like this for the last, what, four, three, four years now. So he's just kind of... I've, I've, I think this is the first time he's shown it this season. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's just driving brilliantly. And for me, yeah, he's the driver of the, of the race weekend. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard to um take that accolade away from Perez for me. But I think you know it's definitely between those two. And and yeah, just like like you say, he is just he's just getting it done for Ferrari right now. And I think you know crucially for Ferrari, Sainz didn't have as good a weekend, but they did have they still have the gap to Mercedes. Um, with that, you know, it's really important for Sainz to keep ahead of Hamilton, and he did so. Yeah, they have in the constructor championship where they've really been an afterthought than it was, you know, the first kind of real fighting performance from them to, to battle for, you know, at least third in the championship, um, if not second. So yeah, I think that was um, maybe something that went a bit unnoticed. So yeah, at least a good haul for both of them. And science was 25. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was. That's really not good. I'm afraid. And, in the end, I think his final qualifying time in Q3 was a second off Leclerc. Um, yeah, that's not good. He does have a few weekends, well, more than a few weekends, like this. We saw this last year in 2021 as well. Uh, so it, um, to me, I'm not that surprised because there are, I'm not surprised, is, is a long way off, but it is not great. And that, yeah, these weekends like this, which are the difference between Sites and Leclerc for me, yeah, I'm not surprised, but I am critical, and they're keeping hold of Sites. And you know it's they, they, it's the right thing to do because he is a a safe pair of hands driver. But um, if Leclerc can be ahead of Alonso, he should be in Alonso's DRS, not 
not trying to keep back um, a point stroll or Hamilton. Like, I don't think that's really covering him in glory this weekend, unfortunately. Yeah, um, someone else who really didn't cover himself in glory. A lot more than that was Nick DeVries. Unfortunately, he's had a tough start to the season. He was, um, was he last in both qualifying? Obviously crashing the first one and for the sprint shootout, he, yeah, was 20th. Um, and it's he's just not, he's just not getting it done in the Alpha Tauri, to be honest. He, he doesn't seem dialed in. And with Monaco coming up in three races time, then he does need to quite quickly. I think the problem... Oh. Go on for no, it. You go, you go. Well, all right. It would be nice with your. Uh, I think the problem is Fine, for, for a rookie. No, <laughs> the, the problem is for so, a rookie. So I, I think we're different. <laughs> the problem is for a rookie is you kind of, once you lose your confidence, you get into a massive spiral. And we saw this. I know Nikita Mazepin was a, you know, a very bad driver or poor driver, but we kind of saw it with him as well. And Sonoda actually is a better example from the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. And I think he. He he's making too many mistakes. That's quite clear. But then he, when he isn't making mistakes, his pace isn't great or hasn't been great this weekend. It was okay. It was, it was a bit better. But the first three races, it hasn't been great. And Sonoda's been much better than him. So slow pace with mistakes, you're not going to get anywhere with that. And we know what Red Bull's like. They're not going to hang around for too long if that carries on. So he really is in quite big trouble. I'd say debris, and I didn't really expect this. I did think Sonoda would be better, but I just didn't didn't think debris would make. I didn't think he'd be this much slower. Actually, it's not the mistakes because I, for me, he's always been a kind of erratic ish yeah. driver. But the pace that is a bit of a worry for me as well. As much as you say Defries has been an erratic driver, he's also got points on the board. He's also always got results in Formula E, in WEC, in F two. He was always a there driver who was always getting results and you could yeah you might have the odd off weekend but no more than any other pretty decent driver and he's been brought in as a safe pair of hands as he should have been as that's exactly what he sold himself as because that's what he was and that's why he was a really good reserve driver for Williams last year he was really well rated by Mercedes as a prospect and they had saw him in that in their car a lot he was putting the Aston Martin they rated him he was putting the Williams they rated him obviously because they gave him a drive for a race and he really deserved that F1 seat from those kind of performances and that's arguably making it harder for him now because his reputation is that yeah. of decent experience of mm. of a driver who will do well and yeah that was there to put pressure on Sonoda and Sonoda's looking like the, the safe pair of hands and we know unfortunately that Sonoda's probably not the safe pair of hands because I don't think Sonoda's necessarily been He's had a few. He's had a similar season to last year. He's had a few. He's had some flashes of good pace, in my opinion. But, um, well, yeah, I think so. With like what tenth and things like that, and that's where that car is, unfortunately. And Sonoda's doing it, but I think De Vries, from everything he's proved, should be able to do that. And I agree, he's in a spiral. I don't think it's too late. It's four races in, but this is the wrong race to go bad when when you've got a, a run of five, four more races in five weeks or whatever it is and this is the wrong race to start on the bad foot particularly when it wasn't Mm. that exciting a race which means that more people are going to look at you if this continues you i I don't think you'll reach the end of the season for me yeah i think with liam lawson doing 
wonderful stuff in Super Formula. Like genuinely, Liam Lawson's been a a driver that some should be critical of, but also in everything he's done that isn't on an F1 support bill, he's done really well. So, indeed. I, th- I think with with De Vries, I mean, you brought up the Mazepin comparison to there. For me, it's more like Ricardo last season, which I know is a big thing to say, but it does. It feels like he's just not, you know, he's coming with with expectations, and obviously not as high performance expectations as Ricardo, but he has come in with those expectations, built off, you know, a reasonably large sample size of of his career, but he just doesn't seem dialed into the car at all it's not like you know i think with with mazepin i mean yes he had difficulty very early on but actually he was slow but he was in control of the car i think he only had one more crash from from imla onwards um to the end of the season like he wasn't he wasn't fast and i don't want to dive into a post-mortem on his career but i think it it feels to me like yeah it it, it feels like yeah with, with daniel ricardo where he just wasn't he just wasn't getting you know, dialed into the car. He wasn't he wasn't feeling the car. And then that was just become more and more difficult every weekend to to then, you know, get anything out of that. And he just had no momentum with what's going on. And I, I just really, yeah, I really worry with De Vries where, like you say, it's it's a it's a busy um period of races coming up, including Monaco. And he just needs he needs to find some form like over the over this period because it is I think it he is worrying. Could. I think he could I, I mean, all the reasons he was hired for haven't obviously gone away. I think because it's still it's it's just like you. I think he is in his head, but I can see that. So I mean, yeah, I can see him being. He's not really the kind of driver to sort of own up to stuff. I think that might be the barrier. I I wouldn't be surprised if he just spirals more, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he just has a run of really solid races and just kind of make gets out of the news cycle and then just kind of gets the odd points here and there and does kind of all he can do in that Alpha Tauri. It's not like Ricardo for me. I don't think you can make that comparison between a driver who's got 10 years well, experience and a driver who's... In... I, I think really that's a silly that. comparison. Uh, for me, it's more like stuff <laughs> Van Dorn. One-off race, Van Dorn, he got points since he only replaced Button 2016 Bahrain Grand Prix. Everyone thought he was great, just like De Vries Mons last year. Mm-hmm. Gets a full-time seat and doesn't perform during his two years against uh, Fernando Alonso at McLaren. Yeah. So for me, it's very yeah. similar to that, the Van Dorn and De Vries. Mm. I think that's a better one. I, I think with Ricardo, it's just like the style of... Lots of base-level drivers that are very good that just it isn't clicking. Mm. I think I think to me, yeah. It's, Ricardo it's... for Van Dorn, for De Vries at the moment. And I think... I mean, that's, that's unfortunately sometimes... The, the way it goes yeah i mean you know yeah like i say it's just the style of which he's struggling and obviously it's not at the expectations or his yeah you know kind of past um pedigree isn't comparable or you know it, it's definitely on a different level but yeah i think if you scale it down then i i see the same kind of story of what's going on there but moving on to before we come to the end of the grand prix then is there anyone else to round robin is there anyone else um you want to give a shout out to or talk about Merck drivers. Talk about Mercedes. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah I was gonna. Um, Hamilton. Well, I was like, who I was thinking as well. <laughs> Hamilton, I think, had some very strong moments this weekend and some kind of. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Which bit was the uh, Was it the sprint when he got overtook, taken by Alonso? Yeah, because that was that. It, that was the only uh for me. Apart from yeah, that, yeah. I think I think he had a great bit. weekend, bar that. I think that was that was a a poor judgment bit of racing, but 
he brought that back with some very good racing that went very well for him in the main Grand Prix. I thought his... His overtake on Russell. Yeah, exactly. Man, <laughs> R- Russell is covering the inside and he still overtakes him on the inside. Like that is... Well, what he did was what Ricardo tried to do in 2018 when he ran the back of the Stafford. <laughs> mm. And I think he did it well. It was a very good yeah. And then, yeah, he capitalised on Stroll's mistake and by the nature of the shortened DRS zone at Baku this year, wasn't able to use it to overtake. Um, science, but I think he would have done in on last year's configuration. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, good pace, good weekend. Starting fifth, I thought was pretty good, actually. I don't think... I think Russell proved that that car is, is, isn't that fast, wasn't that fast this weekend. Um, again, with a little bit of a scrappy lap from Russell, but I think Hamilton just hit all his marks really well with that so i think it was a good weekend i think russell's racing in the sprint was fine i think um it did take a bit out of verstappen's car but i don't think russell made that corner because he hit verstappen i think russell was making that corner so it was a bit of a lump but apart from that (laughs) sorry (laughs) i don't know if we should get into this or not we probably shouldn't we probably shouldn't but i mean they did it themselves they can I think they handled it, then they sorted it. So, um, well, yeah, well, uh, it's to, to of... me, I think, I, I think more, more, if we're not going to get in, I don't know, I think with Russell, well, what I'd be most disappointed, now, <laughs> <laughs> with, with Russell, what I'd, what I'd be most disappointed at is the Sunday, really. I mean, to get, yes, like he got ahead of, um, Hamilton, it, it was kind of, you know, he, he got, he got that like good fortune with the timing of the safety car, but as we said with Paris, he's still got to make that work. And he was four or five places ahead of Hamilton, but he he just you know he dropped and couldn't really really put anything into well stroll over the whole race. But you know he had Hamilton, um, you know, just roared up to the back of him and, and then got him with with a very good move from from Hamilton. But it it's just really you know it it felt like Hamilton got the most out of the car over the weekends, um, and particularly Friday and. and uh, sorry, yeah, Friday and Sunday, and Russell, with the exception of the the sprint race, didn't really. How far off was he when he um, pitted for the fastest lap attempt? Was he was he about seven or eight seconds behind Hamilton because he was just behind Stroll? I think that's where he was. <laughs> yeah, or was, he, um, yeah. Or was he still still tight with Stroll? Because I I can't remember if he had fallen off. He, the back I, he was a few he was a few seconds back from Stroll. Like I'd say at least three. Yeah, because okay, Hamilton had pulled away from Stroll. So yeah. I kind of look at that. There was a definitely a, just a pace deficit in the race. But I what, mean, one thing I'll say is uh, I think Toto Wolff has said that Mercedes got the setup wrong uh, in FP1, then they went to part of Fermi, so then they couldn't do anything about the car. So that's why Mercedes were a bit more off than I thought they would be, because I thought they would be closer to a, or at least on par with Ferrari this weekend. So I think that explains the overall pace deficit, and it does seem like Hamilton just adapted to it better or it suited him. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always swings and roundabouts. I mean, we talked when when Russell won in into Lagos, and we talked about how you know he got the setup right for that, and and Hamilton had so you know margins. But yeah, it, it is that's F one really. Um, and... More shout outs. I do think um, Norris and Sonoda had good weekends. Um, and Piastri, considering Piastri, considering he had essentially. Um, Four pieces of toast, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, exactly. He, he couldn't stomach anything because he was. Otherwise, he'd have a a Mark Webber, um, Fuji scenario. Um, don't, don't look at that's up. my 
my, my second <laughs> second favourite. Um, <laughs> it's the, the, <laughs> the the Piastri four pieces of toast is like my is gone into my second favourite athlete eating on an event story after Usain Bolt and his chicken nuggets. Um, <laughs> so it's high 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 bar for that. Um, but yeah, I think they they did very very well. I think. What was the one of the biggest talking points of the weekend was unfortunately what happened at the very end of the race with Esteban Ocon coming yeah. into the pits to find dozens of photographers just all all strewn across the the pit entry and he couldn't you know with the way it is in Baku then you go you you there's a little chicane within the pit lane so he only came out and saw them you know a handful of seconds before he was getting there there was one a photographer coming kind of walking around the back of the group who was completely incited on coming in. And he was actually the last, you know, it was genuinely there's, there's been, and I talked about this on totalmotorsport.com. There's been a fair few of these really scary heart in mouth moments, but this is to me, this like takes, you know, th- this is the one because you're just looking in, yeah, it, it really not They're they're coming from 300 kilometers now, slowing down to, to still 37 miles an hour. So it's still fast. And yeah, it's it's just really. I, I was surprised Ocon wasn't more shaken when he was talking about it post race, to be honest, because it must be so scary for him. I, I think uh, it's 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 yeah, it's it's just a an, an annoying blind spot in in just event organization because understandably, people who are manning gates aren't going to be paying attention to the strategy of the race, and they've been briefed at this point, open that gate and sort it out, and and that's just unfortunately just relying on things not having happened in the past and things being normal it it was known by everyone paying attention to the race that Ocon was going to pit and you can't expect um people who are tasked to go and get a picture of the podium to be paying attention to the last five laps of the race and everything so it is just and, and considering especially that when Ocon pitted I mean Perez was like a few seconds from passing the checkered flag anyway so it was very close to just being like well the, the track is now sort of very close to being dead in the pit lane realistically is going they were setting it up as it wasn't just setting it up for photographers it was setting it up for park Ferme, and and from that side of it again there are elements of it that make sense but it is just a case of just make them all go a bit slower on the in lap and you give yourself time to set it up in this for the if, for the ceremonies in the pit lane if you want to have all the immediate ceremonies in the pit lane then you've just got to be patient and it just needs that patience because yeah, it was it was scary and it could have resulted in in someone, I don't know, being seriously injured and and a driver and a, and a team being left in serious shock. So it's it's really not nice to see and it can be easily rectified and it will be easily rectified. And I think it is just playing with fire a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Not not great looking, just that last point that he made there. That's what I kind of wanted to say. The important thing is the FIA's race organisers, they learn from this and don't let it happen again. And it shouldn't happen again because if they've had this... Oh, scare, it's such an easy thing to learn from. Injured. It's such yeah, an easy thing to learn from. And that's like, quite comforting in a way. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's one of the things were, yeah, just don't let it happen again. And it shouldn't happen again. But it was not great looking look at all. Uh, really yeah i think i echo what you said it is it's just one of those that you know it's a shame that it took something like this a really near miss to have to spot that and i know like any organization then the fia does 
you know the the kind of on, ongoing checks on parts of the race weekend as as they can but yeah it's you know when when one of those flaws do get exposed then it is you know it is still a really frightening moment and yeah hopefully they hopefully they can come up with a way of getting sorted I, yeah, again it's like it's just it's, it's human error really and it's yeah. not you know it, it's not kind of anyone's fault but there are still ways around that of having you know having two or three people have on it to see if anyone notices you know picks up on stuff like that they have um it was reported that they've already finished their investigation and changed procedures or recommended changes to park ferme procedures so i don't know i've not seen any reports of what they actually are but yeah it's good that they've um yeah it's, if that does get announced at some point then it will be hopefully when we see them then that will be yeah that will solve the problem present something like this happening in the future well it's fairly um commonplace for this kind of thing to be organized differently in 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 lower level motorsport you have i mean it's done park ferme is done like that because of where scrutineering is and it's 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 why they have a waybridge there and things like that. It's the first garage in the pit lane is where scrutineering is. So put all the cars there, then they can be scrutineered there. Very easy, give them back to the teams. Normal, simple, easy. It's And with it being Formula 1, it just means it's in the garage. And obviously, there's not so much space with it being a street track to have a scrutineering bay around the back of the paddock. That's what you have in the majority of championships. The scrutineering bay won't be in the pit lane. The majority of circuits, sorry, the scrutineering bay will be elsewhere. Cars just drive off there don't go anywhere near the pit lane they usually have a podium that's not in the pit lane apart from for a headline uh event and i you see it with um btcc stuff with toka they have a truck and that's the podium truck and that's designated in the paddock that's elsewhere so they can operate the pit lane and continue to run the pit lane for other championships and keep that going and keep that pit lane always a live zone and you've got to have you know the appropriate access to get there naturally all the photographers will have the appropriate access and the appropriate insurance and so on um, and all the people working the pit lane will be insured for that kind of situation. But, you know, you know as you say, from a park firm perspective, from an FIA perspective, there's no regulations that need to be altered that easily. They already have regulations written similarly for different championships anyway. So it's just, it's an easy fix. It's fine. It it was a, it was shocking, but it's good that it's happened in a way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those like we say, and that's wrapped it all up very well. Hopefully, those changes will be in place this weekend because we moving we move swiftly on the world of F one never sleeps. But after a month off, then we go to Miami for the nah. second Miami Grand Prix ever. Um, hopefully, it's better than the first. But Nigel, what are you expecting to see from the weekend? Similar to Baku, I think. Except I think Aston Martin Mercedes will be closer to Ferrari. That's what I think, and also McLaren. Mm, I was going to say straight line speed isn't mm. as important. It's quite in important. Miami, is it compared to Baku? I mean, it's a bit right. less important, isn't it? No, it's, it's like really, really, really long back straight, and that quite middle length, middle straight. And the the, the, the thing where I'm coming from is you need a bit of mechanical, a bit of just decent change of direction as well. But I do yeah. think, but it's 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 not a, a, a course where straight line speed isn't important. I think where I was coming from was Mercedes-powered cars, probably due to a combination of the power unit and the drag from McLaren and the Mercedes in particular. Yeah. They have, they are massively down on the straights. Mm-hmm. And for me, Miami is a bit less power-sensitive than Baku, so they might be a bit better. But I I expect a similar pecking order because I, I think the upgrades for most teams are coming in. Imola for the start of the Euro- European mm-hmm. season... So, 
I don't see too much change, really. But we do have a normal weekend with not one practice session. Uh, so, yeah, it should be a bit more straightforward. Although this weekend is straightforward as well. Really. Well, Alonso will be third and it'll be order is resumed. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, really, I can really see that as well. Kind of agree. Wouldn't be surprised if if it's the if it's the a Red Bull driver Alonso in third and maybe someone else podium. Mm. Um, that's can kind Perez of... do it again? That's what it's like. Can Perez do it? If he I, does I it hope, I hope he can. I, 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 I hope I hope he can. Mm. Like so, yeah. yeah, it's it sets it up. Sets it up well. Real water there to... this year, actually. Um, real pools. Yay! Real boats as well. Maybe who knows? There were real boats oh, last okay. year. Um, yeah. people maybe they swapped them though. Oh, maybe they've got fake boats now and real water. Yeah, that's what that'd be my worry. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, see. Just a bit of fun. Yeah, just have to see how it goes. As I say, hopefully, there's a bit more excitement than last year, but uh, yeah, we shall see. So, yeah, just like putting that last year all right. Last year was just but... fine, mate. It was yeah. all right. There's so... a lead change and a battle for the lead at the end, mate. What more do you want it from that? It wasn't all right. Race? It was a bad race. But anyway, um, what are your predictions? So on, on the spot... Um... Adam didn't like that race in Portimao that was really good fun. Um... I didn't I didn't like either race in Portimao. But the same, it's the same really thing. There was a rubbish... There was a rubbish first Portuguese Grand Prix. There was a rubbish first Portuguese Grand Prix and we came back the second year and I was wiping the slate clean and willing to give it a second chance with an open mind. And there was a rubbish second race as well. Mm, so um, and it's the same. It's the really same with wheel action across both races. Wow. Yeah, it was really, really good DRS action across both races. Um, uh, yeah, so, so yeah, um, yeah, it was. It was great. I really enjoyed so, it. So yeah, I'm looking... looking the work at Portimao well, like two weeks ago was really good as well. There's a really good... I'm race. sure it was. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it was fantastic. The F1 at Portimao oh, wasn't fantastic. The um, the, the, the F1 at Miami last year wasn't fantastic either. It was very unfantastic. But I'm willing to wipe the slate clean and give it a second chance this year, and hopefully it will be better. So we'll have to see. But putting you both on the spot, winner. Who do you think? Oh my god! How am I going to choose? Oh no! Uh, <laughs> I'm so on the spot. Max, Max was snapping. I'm, I'm buying in. I'm buying in. I'm going to say uh, Perez. I believe. Oh, oh my god! Ooh. What have you done? Yeah. I put you on the spot. That's what I did. I'll put you on the spot. We've answered your question. Nice yeah. hosted, Adam. Thank you, you have another question? Yeah. If you have well, any question, any question, any question. Go on, Adam. Ask Nigel any question. What? You Animal vegetable mineral live on the podcast. <laughs> Live on the podcast. Um, Pre-recorded the, on the podcast. I am gonna go with. No, I'm not because I can't remember. I'm trying to remember the quote. This isn't going very well. Ah, no. How remember. many frames the... will Mark Selby win by? Uh, Eighteen sixteen in the final. Okay. What is the SP velocity of a swallow? Well, is it a European swallow or an African swallow? There we go. That was the right answer. There we go. Thank you very much for listening to this. We'll be back after Miami to dissect what is hopefully a much more interesting race than either the Portuguese Grand Prix or last year's Miami Grand Prix. And yeah, see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.